am delighted that you have found the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. I'm Angela Cox, your host and indeed the Mindset Mentor, and I'll be interviewing executives and founders at the top of their game to find out what lies beneath. I want to know what makes people proud, how they define success, what holds them back and indeed what drives them forward. This is authentic and natural conversation with the best in the business. So listen in, enjoy and if you love what you hear, please do leave a review. And now over to today's guest. Welcome to today's podcast. Now, my guest today, I first met him in 2013. And then I liked him so much that in 2016, I started to work for him. And then I haven't seen him actually face to face since 2019 when I left that organization, which is most remiss. We need to sort that out. Martin Gibson is sitting in front of me on Zoom now. He is probably one of the most genuinely humble people that I know, and yet he's quietly superhuman, though he won't like me saying that. He is an MD at Go Beyond Partners, which is part of the Web Help Group. And before that, he had 22 glittering years in the Royal Air Force. He doesn't look old enough. Martin. It's a pleasure to see you on Zoom. How are you? I'm well, Angela, and a pleasure to see you again. And yes, we will find the person you just introduced in a moment and bring them. But uh, in the meantime, you've unfortunately got to talk to myself. (laughs) Uh, I'm keeping very well. Thank you very much. And yourself? I am so good. And it is so nice to see you again. I mean, I know it's been quite a few years since I last saw you, but it literally feels like I saw you yesterday as soon as you pop up on the screen. And that's the joy of you. Well, thank you very much, Ian. And I don't know what happened the last two years. I think something happened, but we'll, we can sort of ignore that. that yeah, that big C and, thing. Uh, we'll just yeah, yeah, yeah. brush over that, brush over that. Well, you're there in your home. Are you still in Cheshire? I'm still in Cheshire, yes, in the rural idols of, of Cheshire, yeah. something like that anyway. So, the Cheshire set. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's on the very south border of Cheshire, we should add, really. <laughs> just and I'm down here in Chichester, so we're like oh, miles away from each other. Mm. And yet, through nice. Zoom, it's like we're in the same room. It's fun. I know, I know, yes. Yes, well, this is what we've got used to, isn't it? And who would have thought it? It's just talking to a, a client this morning, and he was, oh, I'm really sorry, this has failed and that's failed, and, and the rest of it. You go, well, two or so years ago, we would have had a nervous breakdown if one of our online meetings, something had happened. We would have all run and to it, the hills. Exactly. Now you're almost like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, sorry, the, yeah, somebody's at the door, I'll see you in a moment. And, and I think... I think in consulting, actually, whilst it's more difficult to build some relationships and have some, you know, get those going, actually in consulting, those moments create some of those opportunities to do that. So I think for me, you know, there are much greater benefits being face-to-face and in person, but living in the normal world and relating to that for everybody has broken down some of those barriers, I, I do believe, in that space. Oh, I so agree with you. And it's just made everything a bit more human, hasn't it? Mm, the kind of much. kids yeah. in the background, dogs barking, all of that is okay yeah. now whereas you say before yeah. it would have been like oh my god panic well, well you reflect on that the, the, the chap whose child walked you know sort of yeah, crashed the through news. the door on the news and that made headline news so now it's almost like 
Yeah. Normal. When doesn't that happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not with your children, because your children are now university age. They which are, yeah. feels like madness. Where does the time go? Yes, very much. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're both, you know, enjoying it. I mean, the, the, the eldest had a first year in the sort of September of the COVID year. So a bit of a challenge mm-hmm. and that sort of, yes, you know, the challenges with that. But she's she, they've both done well, both doing well. And yeah, we're now sort of, I suppose, the empty nesters as such, trying to figure out what you then do. What do we now do with this time we have? But we're definitely filling it, that's, that's for sure. God, Jane, like loads of travel now and all sorts of weird well, yeah. and wonderful <laughs> projects knowing you. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> I've got, I've got a car engine in loads of bits in the garage. But we, yeah, we you were telling that, me that. I was, I was like, poor Lindsay, honestly, I feel for her. And we were saying, won't we, don't be bringing the bits into the lounge, whatever no. you do, because that's no. not exactly... Well, you know, you've got to warm some parts up, so the lounge is a bit safe. But... <laughs> not allowed. <laughs> now, we're here on the podcast to talk about your proudest moments. And I did refer to you as a bit of a superhuman, because I know over the years you've done loads of different sort of sporting feats and you know crazy marathon running and all sorts of things that you do that I think make you a superhuman but I'm interested to know what your proudest moments will be because that humble side of you I know will come into play as it always does so we're going to go through your top three of many and we'll start with the first one have a conversation see where it takes us so hit me with it yeah okay so probably no particular order I suppose for me and it's on moment. It was a period of time. So I was very fortunate whilst I was in the RAF that I got commissioned and they put me through university. And then at a point they said, you know, or I applied to do an MBA. So this was 2001, something along those sorts of lines, 2001, 2002. It was a, a, an executive MBA. So it was a sort of two and a half, three year period of time, during which time my youngest daughter was born. I changed jobs three times, promoted, moved house twice. My father passed away, unfortunately, during that period of time. And I think it was just, you sort of reflect at the time, you just you just move on, you get on and get on with these things. But now looking back, holding that all together, you know, many people who, who listen to this will reflect mm-hmm. on periods of time where you know, there's been lots of challenges. And I think, you know, you sort of live at it at that moment. But for me, it was looking back at that, that sort of managed to do all those things get out of it at the other end, get out the other side, graduate with the MBA, move on to another job post, you know, following that sort of thing. And I think that for me was, you know, it's proud for me, but also I think proud for reflection of, of the family, you know, my wife, the, the kids, you know, mm. the wider family that sort of brought us all through that period of time because, you know, working and doing, again, I'm sure some of your listeners will be in the same place probably previously or they will be now, you know, doing something as an executive MBA or anything that's a part-time, you know, an open university course or anything like that on the side, it sucks up so much time. Mm. You know, you disappear a couple of hours in the evening, you disappear at the weekends. It's sort of, you know, it does take an awful lot of time to get through those. Yeah. And it's almost like in saying yes to that, you have to say no to certain elements of your life, don't you? Which often means that the family are kind of picking up the slack of that. Mm. But the resilience to be able to keep going with that time commitment, the pressure of the hours that you need to put in for a prolonged period of time on top of all of that relentless change. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fascinating that you found the wherewithal to be able to do that. There must have been evenings where you were just like, oh, I'm so over this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I want to kind of jack this in. 
Yeah, yeah, another HR fifteen hundred word assignment. Yeah, like who wants to do that when I've just changed my job or we're moving house? So, how did you find that resilience to stick at it? I suppose there was a couple of things for me. You know, the family obviously around you, and the need to just sort of try and work together as a group. You mentioned fitness for me. It's always been my, I suppose, bit of a go-to place to sort of go and whatever I do with that. Generally, used to be running till till I sort of decided that my knee was going to give up on me. Just to find yourself, but get yourself out to go and do something. I think that mm. that was the key for me. And also, I suppose there's so many things going on, and, and you could, if you sort of let them all build on you. And I suppose this is probably something, whether whether it's I've learned it or whether it's just I'm naturally that way inclined, but not to let them build. Just the sort of almost that you you can control, you know. And I suppose you think about in our world of consulting, there's things you can control mm. and things you should worry about, and, and you need to do something about. Other activities, other issues you don't have control over. And I think, again, people can let those build up on them where you have no, nothing you can do about it. You know, I couldn't deal with some of those situations because, do you know what, they just were there. And you you know this yourself from the last 18 months for sure. And you've got us almost, you know, don't sweat the small stuff and all those sort of (laughs) things. And that's probably been my path to a lot of how I've sort of dealt with with my career and over the years is I've just just got on with it and mm. those things I worry about I will absolutely truly worry about and I will be absolutely concerned about but I quite quickly discount the bits that I go can't deal with it I can't influence it it is what it is and then we sort of move on so I suppose for me those two parts have played key to me getting out running cycling going to the gym not like go to the gym going to do boot camp sort of stuff has been sort of key to that and then you know if it's not that now I, I know when I first entered consulting I suppose that was a bit of a challenge for me mm. in that I so came different from, from where you've been. Came from a military background where, mm. and we'll talk probably about one of those in a moment, what an incident that occurred. And I'm not I'm not playing this again. People from probably a military background will understand this. You're in situations that are, you know, high pressured. You're putting people into certain situations that that could mean they wouldn't come back. True life um, or death. Yeah. And and then you go into sort of the business context and it's sort of, <laughs> you know, my God, this is terrible. And you're sort of going. A scale of one to ten, where ten is death. <laughs> it's not really. It's not truly. I get you know, and, and I I did take a while, and I do from certain things we worked together with. Was feedback was a bit like, well, it's a bit irrelevant, isn't you know about that sort of stuff. And yeah, I am really. And and I had to learn in some respects to sort of pick the okay, no, no, yes, that's truly important to you, and understand how it was important to others, yeah. not necessarily how it reflected on my level of consequence or or outcome. So yeah, it was, was always always there. But that backdrop of perspective, when you've been in those really challenging situations, to be able to anchor back to that on days when you're thinking, oh God, I can't be bothered writing a 10,000 yeah. word essay. It is on that scale of one to 10, where 10 is death, where is this? And I guess that gives you that resilience to move forward. And, mm-hmm. and you're a sticker anyway. I mean, you do stick at stuff and don't tune out yeah. of it. Yeah. Much to the, the night of my wife at times. So um <laughs> <laughs> She is a saint, your lovely Lindsay. She is a saint. That's all you can ever hope for. <laughs> so I love that one. And I'm guessing that moment when you had the cap and gown was a proud one. Very much indeed. Yes. Yeah. It was it was a good day. I mean, you know, some days you can sort of they're um photographed into your mind. And this was definitely mm-hmm. one of those ones. And so you're in military uniform and then you've got a cap and gown on top <laughs> in a marquee. The sun was beating down. It was a swelteringly hot day. So, yeah, definitely one of those ones where you, you sort of remember it for a long, long time to come. And it was nice because, you know, my mum came, my, you know, my wife, the kids, 
and the mother-in-law. So it was a really nice, you know, sort of family day to celebrate a number of points as you know, as much as anything else. That sort of you know, the graduation from that day of spending three and a bit years or two and a bit years, I say, trying to learn stuff that sort of I'm sure it's still there somewhere in the memory in the double book, <laughs> double book <laughs> entry keeping or whatever it was it does uh, just um, disappear doesn't it I mean, we, yeah, we spend yeah, all this yeah. time learning and then it's like what was the point in that <laughs> it's that something will stick so this will stick yeah, somewhere the, the detail yes yeah I, I do look back at books now and go that's my handwriting who who, who wrote those <laughs> fantastic words because I'm sure it wasn't me <laughs> I'm sorry in like a pub quiz 10 years it's, later yeah, and it's absolutely just, yeah yeah that's what you need it <laughs> So tell me about your second one then. What have you got for um, us? It sort of links into that one, and I, and I can't necessarily go into the details of this, but whilst deployed in Iraq, there was an incident with a couple of... Oh, so so my role, a number of re- roles in the RAF, one of my roles was as what's called the senior engineering officer on a helicopter squadron. And with those helicopters, we would deploy them all over the place, but we had a number deployed in Iraq in the mid-2000s. And... I, you know, again, I, I can sort of remember the moment the sort of the phone call came in. There'd been an incident. We'd had a situation with a couple of the helicopters, and I needed to then fly from my location to where they were, deal with that situation rapidly. We had challenges that meant we needed to deal with it in a very mm. quick time because of issues that would cause other challenges if we didn't do that sort of thing. And I suppose it was it was the coming together of all the training I'd had whilst being in the military. That moment where you had a lot of people looking at you as the, you know, the person on the ground. So had that happened in the UK, there'd have been a plethora of very more senior officers, very yeah. more intelligent people, I'm sure, dealing with it. And you sort of wouldn't have been there. You'd have just been part of it. But I was literally the senior person in that place. So it was, you know, the military training, the military ethos of everybody around me doing exactly what we needed to do so you knew when you said right this is what we need to do it would happen because the team would go and do it but they were looking for you for that instruction and for that leadership and there's only probably been you know people think about when you're an officer a senior officer in the military that that everything is about you tell people what to do and they Mm -hmm. go and do it and actually it's far from that the reality of it and the people they've been the material talk about mission command and other parts is that everybody expected to know in some level what they're doing and be go and do those sorts of things so it's actually very rare that you have to say to somebody, right, you are going to do that. And that's ultimately the decision and, and, and that. And, and they come, you know, a few. But, but You're almost like come, a conductor rather than yeah, a yeah, yeah. director. But, but when they do come, everybody gets, they know, because of course the situation is such that everybody understands what it is. So they yeah. know they know that moment in time. And we did, we, we, we got through it. There were a number of challenges that needed to be overcome by a bit of problem solving. So you're in the field doing some problem solving, which again is, is fundamental to what we we do in, in our world of consulting. But you're there, it's real. We had to, you know, do some lifting of, of certain items. And it's literally, well, we think this will work. Okay, well, let's just do it. You know, we, we couldn't sort of wait for a safety engineer to come out or yeah. a manager. It was like, well, look, we've got no real choice because the other choice is, you know, nothing will happen. So. Yes. And I think, again, you know, all of those parts came together as an engineer, as an officer, and as a leader of men, and as, as just, as, just as a person wanting to, to achieve an outcome. And, you know, 48 hours later, not having slept a wink, we sort of managed to get, get the outcome we were looking for. And everybody then just carried on. And, we, you know, we couldn't stop and go, right, well, that's it, we're done, because actually the rest of the operations were still going on, so yeah. we needed to continue. And they did, you know, the guys just made their way through it. And it was, you know, a proud moment in terms of what we achieved. You know, I wouldn't want the situation to occur again, but 
what we got as an outcome, how we all bonded and worked together in that moment in time. And it was probably the the, the sort of the essence of, of serving in the military. It was those mm-hmm. moments in time you go, yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Because actually, you know, a lot of time when you're in the military, you're spent either training or preparing. Yeah. You, you know, you don't, you know, yes, we went through a period of time where it felt like we were only ever continuously on operations, sort of mid-2000s to late mm-hmm. 2000s. But, you know, it, it sort of moved on. But, you, you know, that was definitely one of those moments. And that for me is that kind of superhuman element of you. And I know you wouldn't describe it as that, but that wherewithal to be in that situation, be the leader, not be flustered. I mean, your body must have been in fight or flight and the adrenaline must have been like right there. Fear must have been there as well. And I'm wondering what the moment of reflection was like at the point where you were able to stop and actually look back on what you and your people had achieved what did that feel like probably elation a few days later we recovered what we needed to recover and we went and looked at it in a safe environment and uh, right okay we've done you know we've done what we need to do we've got it to to where we want to get it to so I think at that at that point you sort of went yeah you know we could we've done things better yes we could have done things better could we have you know had some different outcomes definitely but I think at that moment in time, you just sort of, and there probably wasn't really a moment where you went to sit back because we also we were continuing. We were there for another, mm-hmm. you know, two, three months sort of thing on, on, on operation. So there wasn't necessarily a moment in time where you could go, right, wow, great, rest and relax. But I think there was that moment when I went and looked at them and went, right, and, and felt comfortable and content that that we'd done what we needed to do to get that, to, to get that outcome. So for me, I think, you know, there wasn't a massive, <gasps> and mm-hmm. here we go sort of thing because things were still going on but definitely a moment we went yeah okay we've we've got that great and next sort of thing you know what's what's the plans to pick up what we now need to do to, to pick up this situation so yeah it was it was you know it was interesting and, and definitely an experience not too repeated there's <laughs> <laughs> that humility you see it's that kind of there's not really a massive pat on the back that you ever give yourself and there are times when you really deserve one I get this sense that the pride is about what you all achieved rather than what you led but you know we can all here I hope as listeners that it was about what you created and I'll give you the pat on the back even if you don't (laughs) so that kind of that I mean that military background is very different but as you say some of the essences of that are what you do now in consulting so that kind of problem solving mindset Mm -hmm. not in so much of a life and death situation even though some people feel like it is how do you now take what you've learned from the forces and use that to lead the teams that you lead in a consulting environment probably the key one and, and you know it's, it's in every sort of leadership book is for me personally is role modeling but you, you know i, you I don't, role, we don't want to follow you in terms of your role modeling we'll all be running <laughs> marathons <laughs> no no but, but i suppose you know in in the world of consulting we go in, we understand the client's problems, we work to, to solve what they are. And, and I suppose for me in that world, it's always been about, look, I'm, I want to get in there. I want to show how we can do this. And therefore, I bring the team alongside me. Yeah. And, and, and whether that's both my team, as in the consultants that we come with, or the client's team, because you, you know yourself, you've been there. You know, A lot of what we do is actually working alongside clients to bring their skill set up, to bring yeah. them to a place where they can do this themselves. We aren't a consultancy that is purely about, well, we come and do it, we know it, we leave you not knowing anything. You know, that's a failure for us. You know that's a failure for our business. But if we leave a bit, if we leave a client not knowing 
more than they did when we start on how to do this for themselves, then that's not success. We, we know that's not success. So, you know, and, and that's what I mean sort of in that role modeling in terms of how we want to show work together to achieve those sorts of outcomes. So, you know, that's a big key part that that I hope that I had when I was in the military and I hope I have now very much in the world of consultancy and, and, and how we then operate in that space. And it's interesting for me because I've worked with you as a client. Mm-hmm. I work with you as a consultant contracting with you. And then I worked for you when I joined the consulting firm. And yeah, no, 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 no. Never, you've never worked for anybody, Angela. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I was going to go on to say, I never felt like I was working for you because you don't do that kind of command and control type behavior. I always felt like it was collaborative. I felt supported. But one of the biggest reasons I loved working with you was we had such a great time. I mean, there was so much fun wrapped around the seriousness of what we were there to deliver. But I mean, we would just laugh a lot. And that was one of the reasons I loved working alongside you because it was just fab. And I think that's one of the things you bring over and above so many other people that I've worked with, which you wouldn't necessarily expect from someone who's come from such a serious military background, but actually that's that essence of morale. Yeah. And that's the essence of, I suppose, who I am at the core really is, you know, yes, we absolutely need to be serious and we can be serious in those moments that require it. But, you know, the world has got enough of that. You know, we do need to, and, and, and I found that Again, there's certain people that it doesn't work for, and, and you're right. You know, certain people that isn't the way you, you operate with them. That's not how you get the best out of them. But but bringing that ease, you, you know, when we're there, we're there at midnight, and we're trying to pull together that <laughs> final pack for the presentation. It's going to be at nine o'clock, and we're going, oh my god, where is that final piece of data? You know, yes, we could get absolutely serious, and we could get really stressed about it, but it won't help. No. It, it's not. Again, comes back to that whole point. What can I control? What can't I control? If I can control the mood in the room in order to alleviate things I can't control, i.e. the data set isn't there, whoever told us they were going to provide us with the information didn't provide us with that information, whatever it is, which is generally what causes some of those challenges. Yeah, do you know what, guys? We can stress about it, but it's not going to move any faster. That person's now switched their laptop off and they've gone home and they're not coming back till 8 o'clock. So do you know what? Disappear off, we'll come back at 8 and we'll be on them at that point. I suppose that, you know, and that, you know, that lightheartedness behind it to bring some personality because, you know, I suppose my view on these things are we all have to have a life and be a person outside of this thing called work. So why do we feel this natural urge to go, you know, here's nine o'clock, here's five o'clock or six or seven or eight, depending on what the world is. And therefore I'm going to sort of shutter on those ones. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think it brings the best out of people either. If, they, if they've got to try and turn their personality in a different way for that type of environment. Yeah, there's no mask wearing with you. That's what I love. No, no, <laughs> not clever enough. Um, I knew I, 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 if I tried to be something different, I'd just confuse myself. And then you then, why are you looking confused? I'm thinking, who am I meant to be now? I, it just wouldn't work. Too so, complicated. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely beyond my level. <laughs> so number two was a big one. What have you got for number three? So number three was, you know, a client dear to our hearts that we worked with for a good two, three, four years, whatever it was, and. The sector, it was the service industry. So this was a company that provided catering, security, reception, all those sorts of good stuff, all the really high, you know, high sexy stuff that us consultants want to get involved with. And we were working in the catering area, working in the restaurant area. And and for me, this was, 
one of those moments where we were, you know, there were initial challenges or thoughts at the start is, look, you're going to be going into some of these environments. You've got, you know, people on the lowest pay, perhaps with the lowest academic achievements, you know, why are they going to be engaged and all the rest of that sort of stuff. And what we found was quite the opposite. Actually, those teams really, really became engaged in what we were doing with them to the point where it was the ideas, the thoughts, the suggestions came much easier from from those groups than I've had working with people, you know, in trading floors, doing derivative operations, doing, you know, risk and credit for large banks, things like that. The whole team really got involved. They could see it added something to their day. You know, it was it was a benefit to them, but also they could see that benefited the colleagues, it benefited the customer. And it was probably probably one of those easier environments because we could do activities with the team. So I, I remember one in particular where we were talking to the restaurant about big, large scale restaurant, big, big client offices in London about how do they get feedback of what the customers do or don't like sort of thing. And they're like, oh, well, we ask them the sort of thing. And then I can remember walking around, talking to the guys in the, in the dishwashing area and they said, well, we probably have the best site because we can see what the people are leaving. Well, they leave, yeah. You know, and you went, yeah, what a bloody good idea. Right, now let's bring the two together and bring that as a group understanding. So then you did the team daily meeting. And in that, you know, previously it would have just been the chefs. Okay, we're chefs and we're going to do this sort of stuff, a bit like that command and control. Well, then we got serving staff, we got the, you know, the dishwasher staff, the pot wash guys in there to feedback about what they'd seen the day before. Mm you know, they felt that actually you're, you're giving too much because actually what we're seeing is a lot of the veg is being returned and, and things like that. So that focused in on the food waste and we made a massive big impact into food waste with this particular client, you know, that was in the millions. Now, yeah. it might have only seemed a small amount for each individual restaurant, but on a scale the size of that business, yeah. you're talking multi-millions of pounds of waste that wasn't then being thrown away. And I think, you know, the, you said the type of personality I am, I like to engage with people, I like to sort of get stuck in and do those sort of things. And in this environment, it, it, it sort of worked for me as an individual. It worked for that environment very much that we could really sort of work together and, and deliver a massively improved outcome. And again, I think even at the start, there was sort of, well, the chefs won't make any changes. And we managed to do for all those boring and, and lonely people out there like me who like <laughs> lean something called 5S. You know, we managed to get that into their day. And, you, you know, I know you did as well on the cleaning side of it. And mm. I think that was, you know, the other part of that is, Early on in my consulting career, this was probably one of the sort of early starts in, in, in my career, was don't assume that people will know stuff. And mm. what do I mean by that? I, I can remember you working on that cleaning project. And it's like, so where's the instructions for the guys to do stuff? And here's the book. Nice, long loads of writing. Yeah. And you're going, that's great, but half the team can't speak or read English. Yeah. The other half of the team can't read, even though they maybe have English as their first language. So some assumptions from some department somewhere, like, well, best way to do that and they wondered why the outcomes weren't there well as you found out well let's actually show them with diagrams let's you know those sorts of things you went surely they knew that they know their business this is their business this isn't our business this is their business but they didn't understand truly what it was and again you start get that view that everybody in their individual parts is doing the best they can and the guys in that area weren't weren't doing wrong but they hadn't sort of thought a bit wider they were doing the best endeavours to show their value, show that, that to be compliant with whatever it needs mm. to be, but didn't understand the full end-to-end. And again, a lot of what we've ended up doing with clients is getting them to sort of understand that full journey. What does that customer go through from the point of when they think about it to the point of when they receive it? 
And a lot of businesses, that's their challenge. And I think for me, this the compass one really. Oops. <laughs> People are work that out anyway. <laughs> yeah. Those activities we did with that particular client really we got physically to the end to end and really saw that. And that's taken me then into other clients and really to start to drive to get them to understand the full end to end. What I love about it, and you know, hearing what you're talking about and, and having experienced it myself, it was about simple human connection mm-hmm. and understanding the difference between how things should have worked and how things actually yeah, worked. Yeah. But actually, at the same time, there were conversations happening in lots of different businesses about technology and how technology is going to be the answer. You know, so in that environment, it might have been we need a robotic hoover to come in and improve the cleaning. But actually, there was so much opportunity in just how things were being done, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether we're going to get a robotic hoover or not. And I feel like we're almost missing that grassroots stuff a lot of the time because there's so much focus on what's the new technology that we need to bring in, you know, what's the latest robot or whatever. And actually how it's being done at that kind of human level has so much opportunity that we miss because no one's going in and connecting as as you no. did with those people. And I suppose you know, technology is absolutely fantastic and, and applied in the right way. It's a bit like I know some of those teams had the initial sort of recharge battery ones, but they only lasted 10 minutes and they've got to, yeah. they've got to look after you know an entire building sort of thing that they need five hours. So yes, it's great and it's all well and good. And you know yourself, that example of the lady who was filling in the Excel spreadsheet with numbers and then using a calculator to calculate the numbers because whilst she didn't know how to do use, the formulas. Yeah. Somebody told her you should use Excel, it makes it easier. Yeah. That's it. Nobody had told her, oh, because it does the calculation for you. So she was there still with a calculator calculating yeah. it. And I, I use that, and it's a very simple example, but I use that example with a lot of clients to say, just because you've got the technology, if you haven't interfaced it correctly, yeah. if you've not understood how it works in your process, it doesn't matter that you spent a billion pound on a whizzy super duper thing yeah. because the fundamental at some point it's going to interact with the world and you need to understand what those points are so I think, yeah you, you're absolutely right it's the human dimension behind all of this because everything has got a human involved in it and if you don't understand that or bring that to the fore and then mm. build around that you're going to lose out and that's where the biggest gains will come from you know we know that we've done enough of these things to realize that and that is your superhuman quality I'm going to use that word again, <laughs> is your ability to connect with other human beings. I mean, you know, there are lots of people that are good at that, but you just have this natural ability to do it. I noticed it the first time I ever met you in that reception. I think we were at National Grid or somewhere like that. I met mm-hmm. you in a reception mm-hmm. building and immediately I just felt like I'd known you for years. And that's kind of that, that essence. If we were going to put it in a bottle, you'd make millions. Just to pay pay for the kids at university, yeah. Yes, you wouldn't have that engine in bits. You'd have someone there to sort it out for you. No, 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 because no, no, because that'd be boring. That'd be boring. You know, I can do do (laughs) challenge. We've had your three proudest moments. I mean, they are one of many, I know, but they really give us an insight into what you are about. So, I'm interested then to know how that all comes together to kind of distill the secret to success in the eyes of martin gibson what have you got for us well hey you know me that's a really <laughs> i know you're cringing question. i can see i know it. i know so anyway to try and answer how i approach things 
I'll tag it how I approach things and then you can you can tag it how you wish. And I suppose for me, this is the I suppose the essence of, of who I am in terms of I, I know and we talked about it earlier on, is you know, worry about the things you can deal with, mm-hmm. things you can change. And when it comes to approaching a challenge, I suppose for me, I break it down into what do I need to do in order to get to that? And, and perhaps that's a bad thing. Perhaps I shouldn't be. Perhaps I should be much more wary and go, oh, gosh, that challenge sounds a bit too much for me. Why can't I achieve that challenge? And whether that's a learnt skill, whether that's just naturally how I've, I've come over things over the years. But, you know, for me, it's a, well, OK, that's the challenge. OK, well, what am I going to do to get there? As long as I'm going to put the effort in, I'm going to run. So, you know, I left school, isn't it? and trust me, this isn't a sort of a, oh, woe is me sort of moment. But, you know, I left school with GTSEs, you know, not that many, joined the RAF, you know, had a fantastic career in the RAF and definitely got more out of it than probably the, the RAF did. You know, they put me through university, they put me through an MBA, but I didn't sort of, if you'd have said to my 16-year-old self, you know, you're somebody going to university, you'd have gone, somebody like me doesn't go to university. I, I'm, you know, the careers talks we all had at our school were more about, well, sort of what career you're going to get, you know, when you're 17, 18, you know, you're going to work here, you're going to be a secretary, you're going to be, you know, whatever okay. it was. It was, yeah, I, I don't recall any conversation about what university you're going to, mm. what, how are you thinking about that? Don't get me wrong, a lot of, of my friends who went to school went off to university, but it wasn't a natural conversation. Whereas now it's almost, well, that's what you do. It's a given, yeah. Yes, yeah. Whether it is the right or the wrong thing sort of thing. But I suppose as I then moved through that and were given the opportunities, again, I, I went for those opportunities with the premise that I'm going to go for the opportunity, but I've just got to know what I've got to do or work on those parts to get to that. So even working on consulting projects, there's, yeah, there's some, when you first look at it, you go, wow, gosh, that's um, it's really sounds challenging. And, and I suppose my first point of view is then, okay, so what do I need to do to do that? What, what's yeah. the, what are the things, who do I need to talk to? Because do you know what, I, you know, my level of knowledge is much lower than people around me. So who do I go and find that from? What do I then need to do? What do I need to learn? What approaches, who can I bring in? Because, you know, it's about the people around you, people yeah. like yourself. If I bring the right people in, that's how we can sort of move forward on this and, and, and build those outcomes. So, you know, we, we talked about, you may comment about an engine in the garage. So I, I have a, a sort of an old car that I drive around the track occasionally and the engine blew up on it last year. And yes, I could go and get another engine or I could do things. So I thought, well, fine, we'll strip it apart. Oh, do this. It's in sort of 500 parts in the garage. Now, you know, there's moments in times you go, oh, you know, what's going on here? Sort of thing. <laughs> but, you know, it came apart. It'll go back together again. You know, I might make it more efficient by having bits left over after the build. But that's just, I suppose that's just, you know, Lindsay, my wife will find that frustrating. I know that's for sure, because she'll sort of go, look, why are you doing it? Just <laughs> somebody else do it. Just do something else, something like that. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, and and that, I, I do become then, I suppose, a bit obsessed is probably the wrong word. Dogmatic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> particularly, particularly if somebody says, well, you can't do that. Um, that's the sort of trigger where I go, well, then. But I'll show of, you. Yeah, that's the sort of thing. But again, it's not based on a that I'm going to do it just because I'm, no. you know, Martin Gibson and, and and all the rest of the things. It's based on the fact is that I will find a way, whatever that way is, I will find a path. And that path might not necessarily always be me. That might be bringing people in. That might be passing it off. But ultimately, the outcome will happen and we will get to that end point. So I suppose if that's sort of reflecting on others, it, it, it's just, you know, the half empty, half full analogy for a glass. And I suppose that's that's definitely been me the half full side of it but then how do i how do i move forward on that so i suppose for me is if people say i don't know how to do that well you know it's the classic one you know we're going to all going to go and run a marathon 
you know, I can't run a marathon. Well, he'd say tomorrow, but yeah. what we'll do every day for the next number of days is we'll go and run around the block a, a couple more times. Then it may take a year, two years, three years, but we will get to that point. And I suppose for me, that's how I do approach these things. That's how I understand it and how I break it down in my own mind. Because again, if you didn't, I think you might go in your head to, to achieve achieve what you're trying to achieve. So what I'm hearing is you set a goal or there's a challenge placed in front of you. And, and what many of us do is that feels insurmountable. I'll talk myself out of it. Mm. And when that self-doubt kicks in, what I'm hearing is there's a question that happens in your mind that is, well, how might I achieve it? And you don't necessarily need to know the answer now, but you're going to go and do that problem solving to work out what are the parts that will fit together to get me to the outcome. And it's almost like you might end up not achieving it at some point, or you might end up achieving it. It's not really determined at that point, but it is just a decision that you make that there'll be a way I'm going to find the way. I really like that because that's a really good way of people interjecting when that self-doubt creeps in because it's simply a question you know well how might I go about it and it just opens up the thinking and then yeah. gets us through that moment of self-doubt so that's a really good takeaway and, and I'm going to call that the secret to success even if you won't because <laughs> it's you know it's done you all right for I these think, years yeah, I, it's, it's managed me to get through what I need to get through yes yeah. Yeah. and I suppose it's if people can sort of approach it in that way will it help them yeah i'm sure i'm sure it might do definitely you've got to have the mindset behind that oh do you know i just knew this was going to be like a conversation like we used to have in the old days i mean it doesn't you know (laughs) no no this feels more more sensible i mean (laughs) (laughs) well yeah probably (laughs) and i don't drink anymore so there's no No, uh, i've given given up as well anyway so uh, You know, some people come on the podcast and I might not have met them before. And, you know, it's always a really good conversation. But this just feels like a conversation with an old friend that's full of nuggets of inspiration. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Oh, I've missed you. Likewise. Yes. yes. It's been far too long. We shall shall find a way. Now we can travel again. Yes, Um, probably another three years will go. At least we've had this moment, Martin. Yeah. I'll put that down on my list. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Another proud moment to celebrate. (laughs) So thank you for all of your wonderful insights and for being so human and superhuman during this last sort of 45 minutes or so. I wish you a wonderful rest of your day and I will speak to you again soon. Well, Angela, look forward to it. so just like that we're at the end of the podcast i hope you've enjoyed your time listening today and a big thank you from me for taking the time i'd really love it if you would be able to leave a review because it really does help us to get noticed and if you haven't already why not subscribe and then you never miss an episode I wish you a lovely rest of the day, whatever it is that you're doing, and I hope that you stay safe and well.